Well, good morning. It's good to be with you all. Several hundred years ago in the church, uh, Roger and I would do what was described as a pulpit swap, but today I guess it's called a music stand swap because I'm using a music stand, and he probably is uh, in Broad Creek. I'm the pastor uh, at the church, uh, Broad Creek Christian Church in New Bern, uh, so if you're ever up that way on a Sunday, we'd love to have you, uh, and it's great to be with you guys. We helped uh, restore out uh, when you guys were in your pre-launch phase a little bit, and Roger and his team came up to Broad Creek and, and uh, led worship for us, and he preached, and he's doing that this morning as well. Uh, and it's great to see where you guys are at. Um, Roger and I were actually in the same church planting residency um, just a year apart. He was in before I was, and I was in last year. I just graduated this last May. I don't know what that means for my life because I'm in a located ministry right now, but it's great to see what God's doing through Restore. And uh, really, you guys partner with a company called Waypoint Church Partners. You may not know that. Most of you probably do. Uh, but they're starting churches all over the place right now, and new churches are the best way to reach people. And that's awesome. And you guys are doing it here in Jacksonville. We're praying for you, and we're on board with, with you guys. So um, I'm here with my wife, Janice, and my six kids. Yeah, six of them. Um, uh, Twelve all the way down to a little two-year-old. You may hear her, um, the little two-year-old. You may hear her while I'm preaching um, because she'll just belt something out. And I don't know what it is, and it's awesome. So just bear with that. Um, I want to be with you this morning and, and, and just talk to you a little bit about this idea of love. Now, let me, sh- let me ask you a question. Who do you love? When it, when, like, when it gets real, when it gets down to it, who do you love, okay? Now, there's a haunted house in upstate New York, and this is a great way for people, for us to see who do you love. So let me show you a series of images, okay? Check some of these out. Look at this first picture. You, you, who, do you, who do you love? Okay, I can't see it because it's up there, but hey, just roll through these. Here's another one. This next one, look at these guys. Good stuff, right? Um, the next one is great. I love it. Guys, just these, these things are, um, I'm not a scary person, haunted house person, because I would be right there with some of these dudes. I'd be like, you go, not me. Anyway, uh, here's the next, another one. Look at this guy. Um, good stuff. The, the two guys, the guys are the funniest. Here's another two guys. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? Um, the next guy's expression is awesome. Are you there? That's great. Um, and then what, which one's next? Hit that one up. Yeah, there's another one. Um, but then the last one is hilarious because the guy's in front. He's just like, mm-mm, I'm out. I'm getting out of here. Who do you like when it comes down to it? The question is, who do you love? Paul, there's a guy named Paul in the New Testament. And he, Paul wrote like a third of the New Testament. He wrote, a, or two-thirds of the New Testament. The guy wrote a bulk of the New Testament. And he wrote a book to a church in a city called Corinth. And he wrote two letters, actually. The first is 1 Corinthians. The second is 2 Corinthians, obviously. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, maybe when you were married and you were in your ceremony, the, the preacher, the priest, or whoever was married, you maybe that he used this passage. But at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in verse 13, Paul just says this. He says, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. And then he could have just put a period there and said, enough's enough. We get it. Faith, hope, and love. Let's leave it there. But he adds this last statement. He says, but the greatest of these is love. The word great there that he actually used when he wrote this letter uh, is this word megos, And it's where we get our English word mega. And it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, when we hear the word greatest. But if you put it in that terms, the mega, 
the biggest, the greatest of these three in this trichotomy is love. It's interesting that Paul doesn't say the greatest is what you know or the greatest is what version of the Bible you read or something like that. But the greatest is love. He just says there's something super simple and yet there's something super important that we as people and we as Christians, we just mess up. And it's love, and we need to get it right. I'm in that. I don't get this right all the time. I know there are times in my relationships when I don't get love right. I'm far from perfect when I, try to, when I show love to my kids all the time. I'm far from perfect when I show love to my wife. I'm the biggest idiot ever when it comes to loving my wife. But when it comes to my relationship with Jesus, that's where I need to get it right. And oftentimes, I don't. Maybe you came in here this morning, and you're thinking that way. Man, I just messed up. I screw up my love for God all the time. The New Testament, uh, the Bible is divided into two halves, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the first book in the New Testament, the, f- the second half of the Bible, is the book of Matthew. Now, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are all about Jesus, all about his life, all about what he did, said, uh, healed, all about the miracles that he did while he was here. But at the end of Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 22, these words are going to be on the screen, so I want to read them together. Matthew records for us this, this instance in Jesus' life when there are some people who are just trying to get at him time and time and time again, and Jesus is right there, perfect answer. But here's the, here's the scenario. Verse 34, Matthew 22. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees were a a ruling party at the time. So Jesus basically, in this encounter, shut them up. There's another group called the Pharisees, and they got together. That phrase, got together, is important. We're going to come back to that in a second. But one of them, one of the Pharisees, an expert in the Old Testament law, the Jewish law. So this guy was an expert. He knew everything about the Old Testament law. He's an expert. He tested Jesus. That's a dumb thing to do, by the way. But he tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest, that's our word again, mega, what's the greatest commandment in the law? So he's an expert in the law, asking Jesus, who's God, who wrote the law, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Who's kind of the expert here is Matthew's point. Anyway, verse 37, Jesus said, here it is. You want to know the greatest commandment in the law? Here it is. Love God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. It's the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who do you love? Verse 40, Jesus says, all, every part of the law, everything the prophets ever said, hang on those two commandments. So Jesus is constantly getting hammered through Matthew's gospel. He's getting questioned time and time again. He's trying to, people are trying to trap him like this. And from these guys called the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, Matthew says he shut those guys up. The Pharisees get together. When, Jesus, or when Matthew wrote that phrase, get together, it's this kind of like cops and robbers type language, if you think about it, that they're trying to, to, to capture Jesus. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to entrap him in something, and they're trying to entrap him with the law. But they don't understand the nature of the law. They don't get what the law is all about. Because the law is all about Jesus' answer. And Jesus says, essentially, here's where we're at today. So if you want some practical ways to apply what this passage says, I'm going to give it to you. Jesus says, love 
basically lives in two areas. The first is this. If you're taking notes or you're jotting things down or you're one of these people who likes to write in their Bible or write on their smartphone or anything, here it is. Love goes up. Love extends up. I don't know if you caught that, but that's the first thing Jesus says in this passage when he says, love God. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus answers this way, love God. Love extends up. Love goes in this this very vertical direction up. It's the greatest part, first part of this commandment, that, that this vertical dimension to loving is loving God. And I think most of us get that idea this morning. Maybe some of you came in here and you said, I got no love for God at all. I got too much just crap going on in my life. I don't have any love for God. I'm skeptical. I don't know what it means for me to love God and to worship him and to express him in this dimension. I get that. You're struggling. You're hurting. I struggle and I hurt even with this at times. As a preacher, I think, what's God doing in my life? Why are you doing this, God? Why am I in this situation? But the reason we're able to express our worship up is because God came down. Do you see the vertical nature here? We express our worship up to God because God came down to us in Jesus. His love came down in the incarnate, that's a good way of just saying in body, Jesus. All we get, all we get from God, we can find in Jesus. That's why Jesus says the response. What's the greatest commandment? What's the one thing I need to do in this life first? I need to first get my love for God on the right track. Do I have a thinking faith? Do I have a feeling faith? There needs to be a healthy mix of these two things, a thinking faith and a, and a feeling faith that I can feel at times, but my feelings aren't always going to be there. That's where my knowledge needs to kick in of who God is. That if all you get is a feeling, you know, from an hour and a half on Sunday morning at Restore Church, man, you got to back that up with some knowledge, some thinking. Grab a Bible, start reading it. That's probably one of your, your first steps you need to take in your relationship with Jesus. Is if you're not reading God's Word, maybe you need to learn more about who God is so that you can build that relationship with Him. You know, it'd be like me going to one of my kids on their birthday and Going up to him and saying, hey, I got you a present. Um, I just want you to know I love you. And that's enough for you. And then me walk away. That's a pretty jerk thing to do, right? Or it, it, on the opposite, you know, that, that's the thinking part. Or, or if I'm feeling faith, it'd be like me going and buying them, you know, million dollars worth of presents and saying happy birthday and walking off. That'd be kind of a jerk thing to do too, right? But i got to have this mix. I don't have a million dollars to give my kids anyway. But anyway, it'd be this great mix of I have to not only know who I love and feel who I love when love goes up. But there's this other part that Jesus says as well. So if most of us in here today, probably I'm going on a limb, I would probably say at least 75% of us in here today have this first part. We get love for God. Where we really, really mess up is the second part. Because love just doesn't go up, love goes out. That's, that's the second part to what Jesus says. 
Jesus says the first is to love God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and soul. That's where the NIV uh, is there, and, and then, or the Bible, that's where the Bible is there. And then Jesus says the second is like it. I don't like the way that that's written, by the way, because really what that should say is the second is just as important. That's really the force of what Jesus is saying here. Matthew gives it to us. Eugene Peterson in the message says it this way. I like the way he says it. The second is set right alongside of it. So if love goes up, then it must extend out. And that's the point. You can't pick and choose which one you want to do. You can't come in here and say, man, God, I love you, and then go outside and kick somebody to the curb. It's not going to work that way. Because Jesus says these two are, are equally important. In fact, Jesus, I don't know if you caught it at the, at the end of that passage, he says this, that all the law, all the prophets, everything that God was doing up to this point hangs. You know, if you had a hanger, each of them hangs on those two things. So if you take one away, it's going to be out of balance. It's just not going to work. That if all you do is love God and you don't love people, it's out of balance. And all you do is love people and you don't love God, it's out of balance. But that all the law and the prophets hang equally on those two statements. Love God and love people. And that's where we are today. We can't unpack love from God's viewpoint. We just can't. We can't even do that justice. But we can think about our own lives. I say that because there's some who take love for God and, and they say, I love God so much. I get that. I get that. And I'm justified. And, I, you know, I, I, God loved me. But, man, when it comes to you loving other people, that's tough. That's tough. And there are people, man, there are people in the world that, that just put a bad name on Christianity, isn't, aren't there? They really do. Have you ever seen the Westboro Baptist people? I'm just going to single them out. The, I, you know, they need love. They need love. They do. These are the people who go to, they, they picket um, the funerals of our soldiers. Um, and they, you know, it's like they, they hang banners up at these funerals. Well, God, you deserve this. And, and uh, they're calling themselves Christians. And they have these placards up at, at rallies. God hates fags and stuff like that. And I'm just like, are you serious? What are you doing? But we get clumped in with that because they're calling themselves Christians. We're calling ourselves Christians. And what do we do with that? We get a black eye. So Jesus says, love God. And then he says, love your neighbor as you would yourself. And then you ask yourself, okay, maybe you're asking right now, who is my neighbor? Okay, here's what I want you to do. This is a great way to practice it right now where you're at. The person sitting beside you, here's what I want you to do. Turn to them and say this, I love you. Go ahead, real quick. Just say it real quick. Love you. It might get weird. It might get awkward. I get it. It just, it's, it's going to be strange for a second. If you're not sitting beside somebody, then go beside somebody and say, I love you, okay? It's just weird, but it's a great way to practice it. You know, who's your neighbor? I would say it's anybody that you come into contact with on a daily basis. It's a coworker, and I get it. Maybe you've got that coworker who's in that cubicle that you just want to, man, you just, they rub you the wrong way. It's like the Dwight in your, in your office. Like that's who you're dealing with, and you just want to knock that person out. Maybe it's, you know, your husband or wife, and you've been fighting, and just things are just not good. Maybe it's one of your kids. Maybe it's a, another family member or something like that. Maybe it is like the neighbor who his dog is always crapping in your yard. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, you got to love that person. 
Maybe it's the person who dresses a little different than you do. And maybe his wife wears that head thing and they go to a mosque. Maybe it's a person of a different color. Maybe it's that person that always shows up drunk at 2 o'clock in the morning with their, you know, their music's just blaring outside. Your, I don't know what it is. But there's this horizontal dimension. I mean, we get love for God, but do we love other people? This is kind of where I land in my life, and I, I hope it helps you because here's just what I say, okay? I think it's on the screen, but I just say this. I'm going to love God enough to let him be the judge, and I'm going to love people enough. I'm going to love people enough to actually love them. I don't get to be the judge. I don't get to be judgy. I, I have my own problems. How can I sit there and say to somebody, well, your problems are, are just way bigger than my problems? Or I'm just so much better than you because I've got little problems. You've got big problems. When really the problem is, is I've got bigger problems than I think. And their problems are probably easy to get rid of. One of the main men that Jesus hung out with and one, one of the people who followed him around was this guy named John. And John wrote a gospel, and he also wrote three letters, actually four. He wrote the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible. But right before that, he wrote these little letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And in 1st John chapter 2, so John heard this as Jesus was out. Love God, love people. He, he silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the, the rulers of the day. And so John took this to heart, and he wrote this, and he was one of these great leaders in the New Testament early church. 1st John chapter 2, beginning of verse 7, John in his letter writes this, Dear friends, He says, I'm not writing you a new command. I'm actually writing you an old command, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you've heard. I think what John's writing about is that message that they heard Jesus speak. Love God, love other people. Verse 8, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you. Vertical, horizontal. Do you get it? Because the darkness is passing, the true light is already shining. And here's where he, 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 he conceptualizes and, practic- and puts some practical hands and feet on it. Verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister and lives in the light, and there's nothing, then there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness. They don't know where they're going because darkness has blinded them. John says there's something here really to expand on what Jesus had already said. He said, I'm not writing you an old command. I'm writing you a new one. I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one. And that's just his way of saying this, that love is old, but it's not old news. You know, love never goes out of fashion, basically. Love is always the best thing. Love is always the best route to take. John doesn't write something that he made up. He says what we have You already know because you've had it since the beginning. It's not a new command. It's an old command. But then he says it's not an old command. It's a new. It's not like he's a schizophrenic here, okay? What he is saying is basically this. You know the command. It's not a new command. It's an old one. But it's not an old command because it's made new when you live it out in your life every day. That's the point John is saying here. And that's what John's getting across. When we experience 
love. When we show love, when we give it freely, then it's made new in our lives. And he uses this little formula to, to express this. So look at it. It's on the screen that on one side, people are saying this, that they're claiming to be in the light, yet they're hating their brother and sister. And look at what John says. Look at where they live. They're still where? In darkness. You ever get up in the middle of the night? One of those really, really dark and dark nights. There's no moon out or anything, so there's no light coming in through the windows, and your house just seems like it's pitch dark. And so, in our house, with six kids running around, um, we have these little contraptions from the devil called Legos. <laughs> and inevitably, I'm gonna step on a Lego, and it's gonna test my Christianity every time I do it, man. But it's dark, and you don't know what's going on, and you're fumbling around yet. People live like this. They don't know they're in the darkness. They claim to be in the light, but they have hate towards a brother or sister. The opposite, though, is this, that if you love your brother or sister, you're actually living in the light. And then John says this, nothing's going to make you stumble. Nothing. Big, small, nothing. A little later, John says in this same letter, he says, I'm writing these things because... There are some sins that have already been forgiven in your life. You have to confess them before God, and God cleanses you from those things. And what he's basically saying here is that love is serious business. Love is important. Love is serious, and we need to get it right. But I'm afraid that there's a dumbed-down version, worldview, whatever you want to call it, of love that has crept into the church. You know what kills love? A lot of times we think of the opposite when we think of questions like this, but you know what kills love? What you're thinking, obviously, is, well, hate kills love, right? Because that's the opposite of love. You know, you know what kills love? Selfishness. Me. When it's all about me, when it's all about me, I don't care who I hurt. When it's all about me, I can try to mask things. When it's all about me, I can try to cover up things. When it's all about me, I can keep things and try to hide them and keep them secret. When it's all about me, I don't look to the good of other people. When it's all about me, I don't look to the good of my neighbor. When it's all about me, I can say I love God and hate a brother and sister, and that kills love. Do you really love God? Do you really love other people? Or does your love come with limits that that, that says stuff like this? Well, I'll love them if, or I will love them when, when they talk a certain way or when they dress a certain way. My goodness, I'm glad God doesn't treat us like this. Or, Or I'll love them if they vote according to a specific political party. I'll show you love first when you become worthy of my love. Or they're only worthy of your love if they're, they're straight and they're not transgender. Or, or, or I won't ever love that person. I have this limit. I won't go that far. Let me say this and then I'll kind of wind down this thing this morning. Uh, a lot of people say, Let me put it this way. A lot of times, 
people stay in sin because the church, not Jesus, because the church, not Jesus, is there condemning them in their sin to their sin instead of loving them through their sin. Does that make sense? A lot of times people remain in their sin, not because Jesus is there, but because of what we as the church sometimes have put on them. There's a really cool church, and here's where I'm just going to just wind down. Love goes beyond ourselves, and it needs to. So where are you going with love? There's a cool church up in, right outside of Baltimore, Maryland, that... Um, when I was in college, I, I was in college in Baltimore and got to know the Mountain Christian Church really well. When I was there, Mountain was about 1,200. They're running close to like 5,000 now, something like that. Huge church. But they did a series on um, love and how that, that is shown in their lives. And, and they put these challenge cards out. They were on Instagram like two every week. And here's what they're asking their people to do. And I think that's just great. It's a great way for us to put hands and feet on Loving God and loving other people. The first one, here's a challenge, okay? Volunteer. And that little tagline underneath there says, engage in your community through service. You know, restore doesn't have to put something out there for you to volunteer at for you to do this. You can do that on your own. There are all kinds of places that need volunteers. Schools in this area need tutors and people to read to underprivileged kids. There are all kinds of places for you to serve if we have eyes to love other people. Here's another one, encouragement. It's a great way to do it after we get done with church service this morning. Tip generously and leave a word of encouragement for your server. Have you ever done that? How many of you work as a server, a waitress, or a waiter? Anybody in here? It's okay. Just own it. You, you can raise your hand high. I'm, it's okay. You know, you appreciate that, don't you? Right. You, you like the big tip. More than that, it's great to have that word of encouragement. You did a great job serving us today. Keep up the good work. Here's another one. They challenge their people to give gift cards. Stack up on $5 gift cards and just give them away. Maybe you've got some extra income. You've got 100 extra dollars. Go get some gift cards and just start giving them away to people who may need them. Here's another challenge. I like this one. Ask someone how they're doing. And then the tagline reads this way. And really listen to their answer. How many of us, even this morning, as we're mixing it up out here, said, hey, how you doing? Good. And just walked off. I mean, that's kind of become the MO, right, of how we do things. How you doing? Good. And we don't really, you know, stop. And, and it'd be weird to, to, to shake somebody's hand and say, how you doing? And then don't let go. Try that one time and see how much it freaks someone out. How you doing? And just do this. Freak them out. Anyway. Here's another one. This one is probably the hardest of all of them. The challenge was don't complain. For 24 hours, look only at the bright side. Yeah. Let that sink in for a moment. John says the person who isn't loving and living out Jesus' command to love God and love others is like a person who is living in darkness. The, the, the way we read it, read like this, they are walking around in darkness. Literally, that person's life is consumed with darkness all around them. Love is designed to go out from you. Love is designed to go out from you in, in both directions, both up and out. 
And I don't know where you're at this morning, but I will encourage you to steal a line from the Apostle Paul that we read at the beginning, 1 Corinthians 13, that love never fails. Love never fails. In just a moment after I pray, we're going to have a great time to stop and think about our love for God. And if you're new this morning, the church, we call it communion. It's just a time for you and Jesus to get together and to say, God, I love you. I love you with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength and everything that I am. But maybe you came in here hurting and broken. And your love for God isn't what it needs to be or what it should be. Maybe it's a great time for you to just stop and say, God, I need to run home to you. I need to come home to you. Maybe for the very first time you're hearing a lot of this stuff, that Jesus actually came and he lived on earth and he taught us how to live. The amazing thing is that Jesus didn't do, just do all that. He actually, he actually died for you and for your sin. The first step in that process to act, is to actually recognize that there's sin in your life. Just own it. Call it what it is. It's sin. And you can't pay for that sin on your own because you've done too much already to get away from God. You need someone to bring you back to God. And Jesus did that. He stood in your place. And he paid the penalty of death for you. Because outside of Jesus, you're going to die. But with Jesus, you can live. That's the amazing thing. That's the gospel. It's good news. It's meant to be that way. Do you want life? If so, maybe you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to be baptized today. It's a cool thing about a mobile church is we can just roll a baptism out here. I think there's a, there's a, there's a trough or something around here that you guys use. And it's awesome. I mean, I've seen it before. It's great. You can be baptized today and have new life. Before I pray, I want to remind you of the words of 1 John in this passage that we read. Before 1 John 2, verse 7, we back up to verse 3. And John says this, that we know... Check how he, he writes. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. And what are his commands? What are those two things that, that everything hangs on? Love God, love going up, and love other people, love going out. Keep those commands. Whoever says, I know him, but doesn't do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth's not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. He doesn't say you have to be 100% Jesus because you're not him and you're not perfect. But the point is, is that we try to live like Jesus loving God, and loving other people. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the time that we've had, God, to just worship you and who you are. God, to pour out words, not just from our lips, but from our mind and from our hearts. 
and really just saying, thanks, God. We're broken people, and we need somebody to pick up the pieces. And only you can do that, God. Only you are able to do that. So, Father, if hearts in this place right now are turning back to you, I pray that, that as we look to you, as we pray to you, that you hear us. And we're desperate for you, God, because we desperately need you as our Savior. Father, thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.